Welcome everyone to the Milking It podcast, the podcast that as always tugs the tea to popular culture until it explodes all over your face. I'm David Davis. And I am Boulamont. Ah, and here we are, episode 14. Can you imagine episode 14? 14 is a magical number often used by people designing buildings to hide the fact it should in fact be the 13th floor, so to avoid spooking the superstitious. But here at the Milking It podcast, we care not for such bumcum. I've put on my new shoes on the table. I've crossed my knives and I'm stroking my black pussy. Let us spin over the wheel of fortune and leave it all to chance, for we believe in the power of the geek, because as they say in the Bible, the geek shall inherit the mirth. Welcome to the Milking It podcast. I've got the So we start, as always, uh, with the geek news this week. Uh, for episode 14, the geek news starts with a little bit more casting news. We're big fans of this on the Milking It podcast. It seems like every week there's uh, someone else has been announced to be involved in something uh, exciting and uh, geek-based. But um, it's a bit of Marvel news, so it probably won't be my sort of area of expertise. But uh, from what I was reading, uh, one of my areas of expertise is Tim Burton, because I'm a huge Tim Burton fan. Um, going back all the way to a proper comic book, Batman when he directed that uh, in my youth as you mentioned many times but I am I'm a big fan of, of Burton and the things that he does uh, not a huge fan of the sort of uh, cluster of actors that he always employs in everything but uh, generally I like his style and I, I like uh, what he what he does in, in terms of filmmaking but um, the the big news this week which has actually been denied uh, this is another one that uh, if we'd done it a few days ago uh, we probably would have reported it as truth but um, they've, they've, so far they're denying that there's been talks but there's been some very very strong rumours that uh, one of the proposed films that uh, Marvel will be doing will be a, a Doctor Strange movie, which could be quite interesting. Um, and the, the talk was that uh, Burton would be returning to Disney uh, to, to, to do that and that Johnny Depp, the guy that obviously he always, uh, always uses, uh, would be in line to play Doctor Strange himself. Um, I'm not sure how much confidence they have in him. I mean, we, we, we discussed in terms of... Um, the way that uh, Johnny Depp's performance was criticised, with uh, the uh, criticised in terms of affecting the performance at the box office of uh, this uh, this summer's low or last summer's Lone Ranger, even. Uh, so they've they've reworked the script. Apparently, the original script that this Doctor Strange w- was was um, proposed has now been redone, and everything else. It looks like they're going to take him on board because obviously. In terms of Disney, generally, uh, Johnny Depp seems to have performed pretty well. I mean, involved in all of the Pirates of the Caribbeans, the Alice in Wonderlands, things like that. And you put a director like Burton behind it and, uh, well, only good things, theoretically, can happen at the box office. Alice in Wonderland, I know, is uh, one of the top grossing movies of all time. It's definitely the top five. Um, So what do you think, Boo? Do you think that Johnny Depp needs to be stepping into the Marvel Universe? Um, I don't think it's actually that bad a casting. I mean, it's the Doctor Strange movie's been on the cards for years, and again, it's an ep- it's a character from the Marvel universe that I'm, on paper doesn't sound that interesting as a movie. But then Thor came out, and Thor was a movie I thought, oh, I went on oh, not not as a character. Thor's just not interesting enough to hold my interest for an entire movie. Pretty much 
Thor 1 was my favourite movie from the Phase 1 of Marvel movies. So I'm quite open, ready and willing to accept a Doctor Strange movie. And if we can have a Johnny Depp in it, why not? He's He's got the moustache um, and he's not a bad actor. He's maybe, and I know this is going to be strange, he might be a tad old to play Doctor Strange. I don't um, know what, is he's, he's about 50-odd, is he now? He's 50 How old yeah. does that make you feel? That's um, well, I always feel old, but yeah, that does, that does make you feel old, considering he looks younger than I do. Um, but no, I, I, I don't know. I could imagine that that sort of that sort of look. I mean, the things like From Hell that he did was that sort of style, and that, that yeah, it's a comic book movie. It's an Alan Moore book. Yeah, absolutely. Great, um, From Hell was a fantastic film. I don't know whether. Um, well, I don't know. I'm with Alan Moore on this. <laughs> I know Alan Moore's not a fan of of any of the uh, of anything that he does that anyone else touches. Yes, he came out this week and was very very scathing uh, about Dave Gibbons and the comic book industry in general, which is why he doesn't get involved anymore. He's a strange, strange warlock, and I'm still a huge fan. Absolutely, fair dues. I mean, but it's interesting to see. I mean, like I say, they've they've denied it and um, they've they've said that there are no talks and there's nothing to do with Doctor Strange happening. But we know it's in production. We know that they're working on a script. Um, we we know so far that they have got rid of the original script that was proposed. But uh, I think it was back in 2002, from what I was reading earlier today. Um, sorry, two, uh, 2002. I, I think it was back in uh, 2010 uh, originally when they proposed to do it. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Watch this space. But I'm, I'm not even sure whether the idea of putting someone like Burton works particularly. Um, you've got very much, as we've seen with the Avengers and the spin-off films uh, leading up to that, and then obviously what they're, they're building on for the, for the uh, other films coming up. Um, there's a very distinct style to, to those films. I wonder whether Burton could work under those constraints as well as they've been doing with the other directors that have been taking those movies on board. I mean, he is very much an auteur. He has that visual style. He has that, that particular sort of cast that he likes to use and uh, and, and pull on board. Um, I'm not sure whether that fits I, I, into I personally, it. Dave, can't wait to hear the Doctor, the Doctor Strange theme played by Danny Elfman. Um, <laughs> lots of tubers on that one that'd be amazing to be fair yeah if, it, if it's as good as mars attacks then uh, i think we can we can probably uh, accept that as uh, an, an amazing part of the marvel <laughs> i movie. love that movie before anyone says anything that made by 96 Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. But there was some more. Yeah, we were chit-chatting a little bit earlier. There is some more casting news about Marvel that's come through as well. There is, David. Um, if you were interested in Johnny Depp as Doctor Strange, um, as a Marvel fan, you'd be even more interested to hear that Michael Douglas has signed on to play Hank Pym, the original Ant-Man, in the new Ant-Man movie. And we're all fully in the knowledge that um, Ant-Man is being played by Paul Rudd. So what is Hank Pym's role in ant-man i know you're not a marvel guy <laughs> um, no, and these these names mean nothing to me and i'm ashamed to say as a geek basically think um michael douglas was the original uh, sorry hank Pym was the original ant-man in like the 60s and okay you've got this new ant-man who will be played by paul rudd mm. so it's kind of changing of the guard um there might they they said that there might be some flashbacks to ant-man year in years gone by kind of in flashbacks with michael douglas um it's an interest it, it brings first of all it brings gravitas to the movie definitely with a name like michael douglas and i noticed that a lot of these names these big names are finally getting on board the comic book film mm. um <clears throat> well, I, I, yeah. I'm, just, 
I'm just glad that they're still going ahead with the Ant-Man movie. Uh, it's it's um, ah, my brain's gone, David. Who's directing Edgar Wright? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so spaced fame. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and obviously Shaun of the Dead. Of course, the, yeah. I was, uh, I was being Cornet- flippant. The yeah. whole Cornetto trilogy. Mm. Um, but yes, I, I'm really looking forward to Ant-Man. Really looking forward to Doctor Strange if it does finally come out. I mean, the, the Marvel movie machine just keeps rolling on. It certainly does, and I think that's that's the fact is why those those sort of uh, big names are now being attracted to taking part is because it's where the money is. This is you know the, these are not small films every year when just they're released. At, just look at Robert Downey Jr.'s paycheck from the, from every Marvel film that Iron Man's ever been in, and um, you can clearly see that this is a, this is profitable not just for Marvel and Disney, but for the actors taking part and the studios as well. So. Absolutely. I mean, it used to be back in the day that they would refer to um, if you struck a good deal uh, to appear in like a, a, a populist movie was uh, striking the Jack Nicholson deal. Because when he played the Joker, he made more money than anyone who worked on that film. And it continues to make money to this day, as we've mentioned, from anything that bears a likeness that can be traced back to the Joker that he portrayed in that film. So he's still raking in that Joker money. But um, th- oh, they used that to... Joker. <laughs> Wait until they get a load of me. Um, as, but so basically, yeah, they used to refer to it as the, the Jack Nicholson deal. Uh, they now refer to it as the Robert Downey Jr. deal because he has earned more money than anyone could ever dream about from that Iron Man franchise. And the, the fact that when he was talking about not appearing in one of the films, it pretty much looked like it was going to shut down all future plans for Marvel movies. <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's an amazing, as they keep saying, a career renaissance. But the, the guy's always been a great actor. It's just obviously this is the perfect part for him. He's, he's not playing too far away from home. Um, and he has completely revolutionized that character to the point where the the game that we've both discussed that we've played quite a bit with the lego marvel it's there's no other version of iron man in that other than a version that is clearly the tony stark played by robert downey jr which is absolutely amazing so next bit of geek news that we uh, are going to discuss tonight um let's have a think we'll go with uh, a piece of uh, geek news that boo posted up on the facebook site uh, if you're not aware if it's the first time first time listeners uh, start here um there is a facebook site for the milking it podcast um, how you found us without it i'm not quite sure maybe you'd be recommended by a friend but it's uh, facebook.com forward slash milking it and we put stuff on there all week all the bits and pieces that happen in the geek news gets posted up there by myself or boo or jay or uh, Colm does bits and pieces. I know Dino throws stuff up on there as well. So there's always constantly bits and pieces appearing on your feed. One of the interesting ones for me, again, because I'm not a Marvel guy, but it was mentioned as a character that will be appearing in a future Netflix series, I believe. Uh, Boo, there were some uh, musings about the first issue of a a brand new comic book. David, um, I don't know if you remember, but a few Milking It episodes ago, I recommended a film which was a comedy based on the black exploitation genre called Black Dynamite. Well, they have t- um, Black Dynamite, uh, there's only ever been the one film. They've had a TV series. There was a graphic novel. And finally, there is now an ongoing comic book series of Black Dynamite published by IDW Publishing. Um, again, if you haven't seen Black Dynamite, grab yourself a copy now because it's a hmm. riotous couple of hours. Really funny, great script. Um, and, a, and, a, and a superhero theme tune as well. I mean, everything you come to expect from a great comedy movie uh, is in Black Dynamite. So I'm really looking forward to the extended adventures because uh, they, the animated series didn't really follow on from the film too great. It was uh, it was very mm. surreal compared to the movie. Um, in fact, I think we were 
when we were talking Black Dynamite, we were talking that there was a possible sequel coming out that was going to be set in the Wild West. Oh, well, wow. I'm really hoping that with this new series by IDW Publishing, they can kind of expand on the Black Dynamite uh, story. And maybe Black Dynamite did have some ancestors who were also bad mother. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd save you a beat there. Um, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So um, Black Dynamite, IDW Publishing, uh, issue one, I believe, is already out. So get on that now. I will definitely have to check that out. It sounds uh, it sounds very interesting. Um, the other bit of uh, geek news that I uh, clocked uh, was uh, quite disappointing and quite upsetting for me. As, uh, as many of you are aware, as I mention every time I talk about him, I'm a huge Batman fan. No, really? Yes, Bat- I am. Batman. A Bat fan. <laughs> Yes. Um, so they've they've pushed it back. The, the the dream movie. Well, it's not particularly a dream movie. I'd rather just see Batman. I'm not a big Superman fan. But the next Superman movie, Superman <laughs> 2, uh, which at the moment is being called Batman versus Superman. It's not the official title, although uh, that, that's the one that everyone's known it, uh, known it by. Um, it's been pushed back by a, almost a whole year. It was supposed to be out uh, next year, 2015. Uh, originally, they said that it was going to be July 17th. That was the date I'd al- already booked off work to go and see it. And um, they've rescheduled for May 2016. So, wow. um, what what film were they trying to avoid opening again? Seriously, what what? Possibly it's a production halt. Maybe there's um, you know issues with the movie, but it seemed to be on track. And now all of a sudden, they backpedaled and said, actually, give it another year. Um, yeah i mean that that's the thing is the the, the, the only thing that it was going to um occupy or well, what's going to occupy that release date now is um the peter pan remake that they're doing which is going to have uh hugh jackman in it uh, that's that's like warner's thing so it's it seems weird that they're there's only one Peter Pan reboot for me, Dave, and that's Hook. Ah, uh, Hook, which I'm sure we, we maybe can discuss. Very good. Uh, <laughs> um, I know there was something uh, I read online about Ben Affleck suffering a leg injury recently, which was going to delay the start of filming for six weeks. I'm sure that there is enough stuff that they can be filming for that movie that they could reschedule stuff and be filming other things. I don't think that's going to push the release date by. I, you know, I had heard that they'd already started filming stuff because someone thought they had seen what would end up being the Batmobile from the new movie. I don't know if you saw that report. No, I didn't. I'd have to, I'd have, to have a look for that. Um, I know yeah, they've, so... they've, the, uh, the idea about... Obviously, they've they've gradually been announcing as well as they've gone along extra, like other characters that will be dropping in. We spoke previously and uh, had to IMDb uh, Gal Gadot as uh, Wonder Woman. Um, and they've also mentioned that there's going to be people like Amy Adams in there. Lawrence Fishburne has been mentioned um, for... Larry Fishburne, as he was known in the credits of Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice callback. A little geek, little geek one for you there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been mentioned. Um, Diane Lane's been mentioned. There's various characters that are gradually getting um, spoken about. What what it looks like. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, just to backtrack on what you've just said. Sorry, mm-hmm. because I, the casting of um, Lawrence Fishburne was one of the most interesting bits of news from the week that I f- forgot to mention, because they have him pegged as playing the Green Lantern. Yes, which which makes sense. Uh, you know, the... it, it, it does because Hal Jordan was such a bomb in his own movie. Um, yeah. You know, why not move it? Why move it along to the next? Um, lantern in and plus i think Lawrence fishburne could, could bring a much grittier um harder uh green lantern to the screen especially because of the character he'll be playing yeah i think they they, 
they obviously have to distance it from the previous film, which I hands up. I didn't think was as bad as a lot of people did. I thought there was stuff you could knock the film for, but I thought generally it was just an entertaining romp for a couple of hours. Um, but no, I, I agree. I think if he is on board, that's a great bit of casting for, for that character. Um, I mean, for me, I, I think what it looks like and what I've, I've read about on a couple of sites is um, that they might be actually filming a lot of the Justice League movie alongside this Batman versus Superman movie. So that's going to increase the shooting schedule. It's going to increase the complexity of it, which means they are going to have to push it back. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, obviously, I mean, I'd love to see that film. That's you know something that I'm incredibly excited about. And I'd, I'd go and see any film with Batman in, to be fair. Um, but I don't know. We shall see. I mean, what it does do, unfortunately, and maybe not unfortunately, it's it, it going to choose, make people choose and everything else, is that it pushes it into the summer which has X-Men Apocalypse, which you've mentioned a few times. Oh, yeah, that's going to be hopefully. Well, let, before I go, oh, that's going to be great. Let me see the, the one that's coming out soon, um, Days of Future Past, before I pass judgment on that. But I am really looking forward to those movies. Mm. If you're a fan of superhero movies uh, and you you, you uh, follow this sort of geek stuff, uh, I can really recommend a, a great article that's on IGN uh, this past couple of days, actually, um, where they're talking about whether there are... And we've touched on this because we had a discussion about the villains in the movies that they're doing, um, is whether they're putting too many characters in each movie and whether they can afford to spread it out and stuff. It's, it's really well written, really well. The, the argument is put across a lot more uh, literate than I can, put it that way. But uh, yeah, it's a very interesting article. I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you all to check that out on uh, IGN.com. Uh, but yeah, so it's it there, and it's, it's literally like a couple of weeks before X-Men and about a month before Amazing Spider-Man 3 comes out. So there is a proper sort of summer of superhero-ness, if that is a, a phrase. If it isn't, I've coined it now. So unfortunately... Talking of which, Dave, there mm. was... Sorry, just to butt in. There was an actual... Uh, sorry, one more interesting bit of superhero uh, movie news. There was a, um, an art, there was a report in, I think it was like a, a Wall Street business journal, where they were discussing um, stocking Fox, and they, were, they had put to paper the X-Men movie and the Fantastic Four movie coming out that year, the Fantastic Four reboot, would mm. end up becoming a crossover. Oh, wow. Okay. That sounds um, interesting. Which I completely forgot to, to, to mention last week because it was actually that was a, a previous bit of geek news. But, um, so there is now a rumour that the Fantastic Four movies and the X-Men movies will combine. Um, so you would have um, the storyline from, I believe it was like 1988, which was the X-Men versus the Fantastic Four. Mm. where they'll actually be against each other they'll be pitted against each other um so again a possibility for the future of superhero movies coming out of our ears absolutely absolutely um also worth mentioning it ties in with the batman versus superman um we mentioned previously on an episode about the uh, the gotham tv series that they're working on um originally I... called the uh the, the was the uh the gordon chronicles or it was going to be it was going to focus on commissioner gordon's first few years um on the force as far as i was aware yeah that's that's the uh, the the plan and the sort of premise for the whole thing um they've given a, a few more details as uh, our american listeners would say um about what's going to be uh, sort of making that up and it, it really genuinely sounds like a comic book fan's dream of a tv series um it, it's really going down that sort of smallville concept of your you're not going to see batman dressed as batman um, they always said with smallville he never puts on the cape 
Um, and the whole the whole of this first season seems to be geared up to following him to that journey towards the cape. And as they've said, you know, the final episode is when he puts on the cowl and he, he becomes Batman. So a little bit of it, they're still saying it's it's mainly focused around Commissioner Gordon dealing with the, the challenges of arriving in Gotham and having to deal with the corrupt police force and um, having to deal with other things. But there was another big announcement about the characters that are going to appear. And, uh, oh, yes. Booley? Well, David, they have released the information that not only will we be seeing Commissioner, the origins of, of Gordon and Bruce Wayne, hmm. but we will be seeing the origins of various bad guys and characters from the Batman universe. So we may get to see the Red Hood before he became, you know, who he might, we might get to see the, you know, the history between, uh, might see a young um, Dr. Freeze. We might, there's so much potential, mm. a young Selena Carl. There's so much that could happen. And this is before they become supervillains. So we're going to, we're not just going to find out who these supervillains are. We're going to find out why the supervillains are. And I think that's the most interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the idea is that uh, the, the, the quote from, um, one of the Fox chairman, in fact, said that they've, you know, they're looking at these classic Batman characters. The whole show will be this sort of soap opera, this operatic soap where uh, it has a slightly larger than life quality. And they said it, the whole thing is about following the arc of how these people became who they are, which to be fair, I mean, you look at something like um, the killing joke, which we've mentioned in, in passing in, in previous podcasts, um, you know, the, that's that origin story of the Joker is amazing it's wonderfully done if they can capture any of that emotion as part of that you know there's been various uh comic books about edward nigma I mean, you know the riddler and if things. they can make me feel sympathy for the joker like they did in that book you know absolutely you know yeah. th that's absolutely. that's gonna that's gonna be kind of my new tv show to make up for the let's be honest and i know you don't watch it but uh, marvel agents of shield has been pretty <sighs> it started off so well <laughs> but it's it's mm. not it's not great for me anyway so i'm really hoping that this will be the tv series for me alongside obviously the defenders tv series and miniseries that's yeah. coming up with all the characters so we still got daredevil to, to consider as well but um again it's gearing up to be a really good superhero filter tv and movie kind of couple of years absolutely i think you know thanks to things like the walking dead doing so well and you know ever what well, Basically, ever since Brian Singer's X-Men, you know, they've seen the the fact that you can attract not just a geek audience, but a mainstream audience. We've now got to the point where the people who know the comic books are getting as much out of it. Things like The Walking Dead we've mentioned before, which are just so good that people who have no idea it was even a comic book at any point will enjoy it. But people like myself who've read the comic books still think it's absolutely brilliant um so yeah it, it's a really good time to be a comic book fan and uh it's, it's also a good time to be a fan of good tv um talking of uh movies that are coming out and uh releases that are coming out there was a, a little uh, geeky bit that we we have to mention um because i know both myself and boo uh really appreciated seeing this um this piece of news come through in fact about a year ago, I think it was, I'd been trawling through some stuff, some messages that, that Boo had sent me, and way, way, way before the Milking It podcast. Imagine a time before the Milking It podcast. Um, and it was to do with uh, a movie that had been set up 
um, about a character which not all of our listeners will be aware of. But in I, fact, many of our listeners won't be aware of. Dave. I would Let's say, yeah, ninety-nine percent of our listeners will not be aware of at all. Uh, the character in question is a, is a bit of a cult, or was a bit of a cult, um, uh, a bit a comedy character that was uh, done by a TV comedian who. Um, was called Chris Seavey, who unfortunately uh, passed away about 18 months ago. Um, the character in question is a gentleman named Frank Sidebottom. Now, anyone who is a fan of, as, as we talked about previously, the uh, I think it was Motormouth he mainly appeared on. I remember him. He was, being... on, the kids, he was on the Saturday morning kids TV show and he was mm. mentioned on that. I do believe we mentioned him on the show. Absolutely. So if you go back to listen to that, you'll, you'll hear what he used to get up to. But he was absolutely wonderful. Uh, Manchester comedian uh, Chris Seavey, who uh, was not just a comic, but um, an eccentric is probably the way you'd, uh, you'd describe him. Um, so he passed away. He used to do this character called Frank Sidebottom, who was um, a very bad sort of singer and entertainer, but deliberately bad. He used to create his sets out of cardboard um, he was slightly obsessed with Morrissey. Um, and, but, <laughs> but the main thing about him was that he had a giant papier-mâché head that he used to perform. I can't even believe I'm describing this uh, on a podcast in, in 2014. But yeah, a large papier-mâché head that he used to perform in. I will put uh, some links up on our Facebook group because um, I really want you to be able to see some of the bits and pieces he did. Uh, he used to do um, a series of podcasts actually called Timperley Radio just before he died, which uh, if you haven't heard them are just wonderfully eccentric and so nuanced and British that nowhere else in the world could ever have produced those particular items. He's absolutely wonderful. Really, really was. Um, but there was news just after he died that there was going to be a film. Um, I don't know whether you've got the info in front of you at the moment, Boo. Uh, but it was um, the, the big news was this, this small guy, this guy who literally would perform in front of 60, 70 people every week in various pubs and clubs around the, around the country and became this cult icon. Um, was going to be played by a particular Hollywood A-lister. Uh, one of my favourites, David, uh, Mr. Michael Fassbender. Indeed, Mr. Michael Fassbender was going to play Frank. So you're going to get Michael Fassbender involved in a movie and you're going to put a big papier-mâché head on top of him. Um, so the, the, the actual film itself... About a year ago, it was announced. It was talked about. We saw some bits and pieces. Boo sent me a message about it. It was like, oh my god, this is going to be amazing. I can't wait to see this. It's going to be great. And it, the news about just went completely dead, didn't it? There wasn't any info it's came out. A year um, that I sent you the message, you'd you'd sent me a reply to the message saying, well, you know, what happened to this? Two days later, yeah. a review from the Sundance Festival popped up online, and it, it's not a bad review at all and the film sounds fantastic i don't know whether you read the review on totalfilm.com but um it sounds fascinating it sounds surreal and bizarre as hell and as soon as i can get a copy i'll be watching that absolutely i, I genuinely can't wait to watch it it's got uh maggie gillenhall in there uh, scoop mcmary it, it it was described in the review as an undeniably trippy ride it's it's all it, it, i really again i'll put some links on our facebook page um this is literally a bit of geek news for two people the two people who are hosting the show you're still but, listening we appreciate it <laughs> yeah absolutely it just looks really really good it's it's, it's got no set release date at the moment but uh wonderful absolutely wonderful um so 
I, I, I'm really looking forward to watching the uh, Frank Sybottom movie, Frank. Next up, a little bit of news or a couple of bits of uh, wrestling news. Uh, obviously, we talked about wrestling quite a bit in the last episode, uh, which got some really nice feedback, actually. Thank you for that. Um, a number of people emailing us. Uh, I did I did mention the uh, email address last time. If you want to get what in contact... What was that email address, David? <laughs> oh, so professional. It's like QVC. Uh, the email address, if you want to get in contact with us at, for anything at all, uh, use us and abuse us as your personal jukebox, uh, themilkingitpodcast at gmail.com. That's milkingitpodcast at gmail.com. Um, so, yes, we uh, we stirred up a bit of interest and uh, excitement when we were talking about the WWE Network. And uh, since we were talking about that, I've, I've read a lot more people's views on it. And uh, generally, really well received. It looks like something a lot of people are going to be going for and uh, something that a lot of people are going to be interested in. But there was um, two little bits of of news from the WWE this week uh three if i count something else i want to get boo's opinion on um the first was that they are currently in production of uh, a paul Heyman dvd so it's very unusual it's not unusual rather for WWE to produce dvds based on individual talents there's been so so many there's been some amazing ones such as the cm punk dvd that came out a couple of years back there's been some not so great ones such as the mr perfect one which was unfortunately quite boring um but this seems to be the second time they've done it for a manager um and a polarizing figure in professional wrestling. Um, not quite as polarizing as some managers uh, see Jim Cornette. But um, yeah, uh, the Paul Heyman DVD, Boo, what do you reckon? I cannot wait, Dave. Paul Heyman is one of the most um, important and interesting characters in the world of professional wrestling. Most of what he says is the gospel truth. He is the he is the radical revolutionary. He is the underground voice for the mainstream of professional wrestling. Paul Heyman. I'm a Paul Heyman guy. Are you? I'm, I, 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to this. The um, I did read on Twitter that Joey Styles had put, I wonder how much of my interview they're going to leave in for the new Paul Heyman DVD. Oh. Paul is an amazing mind for the business, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have an amazing mind for business. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah, and I think you're not the only person who's ever said that. I think the most right, um, most people who were employed at the end of the ECW run would agree with that. But I mean, I'm really looking forward to seeing it, and I think the most interesting thing is uh, is other people's opinion of Mr. Heyman. That's what I'm most interested in because I don't know how much hate there is still for for him for what happened at the end of BCW. Um, he's, I'm sure there's a lot of people still owe money, but mm-hmm. that's not my business. My business is the other side now. So as a viewer and a fan. I, enjoy, I can't wait for the Heyman DVD. The only thing I would be wary of is I can't think of that many matches involving Paul Heyman that I'd want to see, except for the Skywalker scaffold match from uh, from Starcade. Yes, yeah. Uh, LOD. <laughs> yes. Uh, sorry, the Road Warriors. Mm. Um, it was versus the Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express. My brain's gone. But um, yeah, really, really interested uh, to see the documentary portion of the match. Match. Do- portion not so much but it's definitely something i'll get on board with um as i said i'm a, I'm a Heyman fan and you're right there isn't that many managers that they could do a sole documentary on apart from bobby heenan i wouldn't sit there and watch a jimmy hart um dvd i wouldn't sit there and watch to a degree the genius lanny pop i wouldn't watch a manager talk about him <laughs> i don't they, think he managed had... that many people is it just perfect and the beverly brothers or did he manage more than that I'm thinking that's pretty much it. Um, brothers, did, he well, did he manage well done? No, well done were managed by um, Jim Cornette at one point, I think. That's 
right. Mm. Um, he got I'm all sorry, the good wait. ones. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I retract my statement. I would watch a DVD about Cornet. Oh, my God, yes. I would watch yes. a DVD about Heyman. I would watch a DVD about Heenan. That's pretty much it for managers. There was that DVD, The Greatest Managers of All Time, which had bits on the ground. Wizard yeah, Captain and Lou Albano and um, a man that actually spoke to me um, shortly before he died in um, Humperdinck. So, oh, wow, yes, yeah. Remember that? Mm, absolutely, yeah, I remember that. Told that, me not yeah. to quit. Yeah. Told me not to quit. Yeah, I think, didn't he say the only reason you quit is to make a comeback? Yeah. Something along those lines. He, he gave me some, some wisdom out of left field I wasn't expecting. And, um, mm. I, you know, I, I, just quickly, I did take his advice. I did stay on and I ended up winning, you know, couple of important things for me so yeah. i appreciate that but yes as a manager um Heyman's definitely interesting enough to have his own dvd absolutely i don't think there's any coincidence as well when you're talking just going off topic very slightly is that you're talking about right you'd watch a bobby heenan one you'd watch um a paul Heyman one or you'd watch jim Cornette one out of all the other managers i don't think there's any three better talkers they are people that you could just sit there and, and you know, there's a reason why Jim Cornette's done 75 shoot interviews. It, there's a reason, like you know. Fuji couldn't have his own, you know, because that's not what he was known for, the talking. No, and that, and that says something because race. his career previously, you know, he's probably done more matches that you could put on there than anyone else that you could talk about. But, Fuji, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You know, and uh, unfortunately, no, you wouldn't, because he's, he's not an interesting character as a manager, particularly, you know, you want the Jim Cornettes, you want those slightly controversial people, you want the Bobby Heenans who you know are going to make you laugh and everything else. But yeah, I, I was genuinely excited to see that they're doing a Paul Heyman DVD. Just on the subject of managers, mm-hmm. what do you think of Zeb Coulter as a manager for getting heat? Just because obviously he's not... Dutch Mantel's not one of these classic... He's not known for being a manager. He's known for being a wrestler and he's known for being a booker. Mm-hmm. So he's come in and he's managing the All-Americans. Yes, yeah. Um, Jack Swagger and... Um, Antonio, Antonio Cesaro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think out of recently, he's the only other manager I can think of that was getting decent heat. But I don't know whether that was because of what he was saying as opposed to how he was saying it. I think it was both. I genuinely... Because I, I mean, I, I've listened to a couple of um, sort of interviews. I've listened to the Colt Cabana podcast with him and and the guy is so intelligent you know he knows the business inside out obviously because he's been doing it for years um but he he is just again a good talker and he's someone that i can listen to he's someone that i enjoy his promos that he cuts you know he's one of those moments in raw which you know as i've said before i i have to skype plus it or i have to find it online uh, legally and um I, i have to skip through a huge portion of that and but there are moments where if a particular person appears on 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 screen, if that performer's there, then I'll stop it and I'll definitely listen or watch. If even if it's just like a little backstage skit or whatever, I think his character's lost steam. I think it, you know it, it came in like a lion at the moment. It's a little bit like a lamb. But you know, I I really enjoy that. What essentially to and it's always crass to use wrestling terms because I'm not a wrestler, but that cheap heat that he can generate. Um, I like him. I really do like Zeb Coulter. I'd quite happily watch him more. Uh, I like the callback to the Uncle Zebekiah character when he was with the Bruce Brothers, and you know that that kind of thing. I just, I just, I do enjoy him. I think he's really good. Uh, the other bit of uh, WWE info that came through this week was uh, uh, they they've announced the first Hall of Famer. We're on our road to WrestleMania, as they like to uh, refer to it. Um, and in New Orleans. 
Indeed, down in New Orleans, which uh, if uh, genuinely, it's one of the first WrestleManias in a long time that if I could afford to have got there, I genuinely would have loved to have been there because it looks like it's shaping up to be an interesting WrestleMania. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm annoyed, Dave. Uh, um, a friend of mine and myself have been invited out there um, to go see WrestleMania, but uh, I just, it's, A, it's hard to get tickets and B, they're very expensive. <laughs> yes, aren't they? <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, they are indeed. Um, I mean, that's the the thing is that the, they are massively expensive, and, and to watch it in the states is unless you have the WWE Network, which will uh, incorporate that for nine ninety nine for you. Um, well, the, yeah. So they've announced the first Hall of Famer. It's a man who, if you'd asked me a year ago, yeah, maybe it would have happened. If you'd asked me two years ago, no way in hell would it ever have happened. Um, they've They've had some controversial ones in the past. This could be the one guy I would have genuinely said, no, he's never going in, other than Randy Savage, but we're not quite sure why. Um, it is the ultimate warrior. Everyone's favourite 80s face-painted homophobic wrestler. Um, Boo, your thoughts on the warrior going into the WWE Hall of Fame? I've never been a fan of the warrior, but I understand the importance of what he represented at that time. Yep. It was the first time in a long time that he looked like there was going to be another main event other than Hogan. Um, yes. Well, he would, they, they pinned their hopes on warrior. Didn't they at that point? They did. Uh, when Hogan went off to make movies, um, like Suburban Commander, Mr. Nanny. Love them uh, both. The warrior... <laughs> FYI. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the warrior stepped up and, um, Unfortunately, the only match he'll ever be remembered for, in my opinion, um, is the Hogan match. The only other match I remember thinking was any good was when Rick Rude tried his fucking hardest to get a decent match out of him. And, and it was a decent match. Um, I didn't know the Intercontinental title. The WrestleMania 7 match against um, Randy Savage was a work of genius as well. Savage plotted that match out and they... But again, can you see a pattern forming, Dave? Great match against Rick Rude. Great match against Randy. Great match against Hogan. Now, if Hogan can't lay out a decent match, then I, you know, or has yeah. experience at least laying out a credible match, then I, I don't know who else could. But yes, the Ultimate Warrior is going into the Hall of Fame. Um, deservedly as a character, maybe not so deservedly as a businessman and a man. No, completely. But it does seem that the, you know, they've not announced him has uh, has they've not announced him as the uh, the sort of main eventer. Like last year, they announced Bruno Sammartino as the main eventer. Again, another very surprising one if you know anything about your wrestling history. But um, you know, Triple H seems to have built some bridges with the guys who uh, have had problems with WWE in the past. Um, I think they are obviously very much aware that it's no longer just Vince's baby. Um, there are other people controlling things and, and getting ready to step up and take over. But uh, it's interesting. I, I think, as we we did say earlier on when we were chit-chatting before the show, they are running out of controversial figures to speak up against the WWE now. They're, you know, they've pretty much got them all. I, I know superstar Billy Graham has been inducted and has since gone back on it and said that he wishes he never was and uh, still hates it. But that's pretty much all the people I can think of that are pretty anti-WWE. Pretty much, Brett's gone back. Everyone's gone back. It's um, it just makes me wonder if Randy was still with us today, mm. whether that hatchet would ever be laid to rest. So um, it is interesting, and it also does mean that they're still maintaining that 
anything can happen in wrestling mystique with the WWE because you know Warrior after all that him and Vince went through together like and he's still come back and they're putting it you know they pay these guys to be in the Hall of Fame it's ten thousand dollars and and the ring isn't it something like that yeah it's it's you know it's not a, a free meal and a sort of pat on the back it's uh, no, it's, it's a it, big you know, TV event to do that. <laughs> But you know, I mean, that's that. It all depends on, on what they've agreed to. But it just shows that time and money are a great healer. Um, the only other Hall of Fame uh, rumor that I just want to quickly mention—I don't know whether you, you read this online as well—is um, that they are considering inducting the WrestleMania One main event into the Hall of Fame. So that will that will lead us to see on stage. At, Potentially in New Orleans, Hulk Hogan, who we mentioned is a free agent, Rowdy Roddy Piper, who's already obviously a Hall of Famer, as, as well deserved as any man, um, Mr. T and Paul Orndorff. So we could see Mr. T at WrestleMania this year. Um, what's the thought? Do you, do, what do you reckon to the idea of actually... If they don't have Cindy Lauper accompanying them to the to the stage, Dave, I'll be mad because I love that woman. <laughs> <laughs> she is fabulous. But what do you think I'd about still marry that, her. that idea um, of putting matches into the Hall of Fame? Do you think that, that qualifies or...? No, because then you'd have to induct The Undertaker like nine times. Not Because that's how many of them are decent. Sorry, just to... I know how many there are. <laughs> yes, yeah. But, um... Putting matches, it's an interesting concept, but it, as long as they stick with people who mainly haven't already been inducted, because yeah. I know Flair's been in once as Flair and twice as the Horseman. This is Hogan's second induction then. Yeah, well, it'd be Piper's second induction as well. Oh, with Piper's second induction as well. Mm. Are, they, are they running out of people to honour? I don't know whether they're running out of people or whether they're just... whether they're just going back on the idea of that celebrity hall of fame thing and going more towards the right well if people were involved like for because for example if they did that that could be the equivalent of mr t being the celebrity hall of fame person this year um that would but, make sense more sense than drew carey or um what was the baseball player that used to get tombstone by kane all the time oh uh pete rose there you go who have yes. both been inducted and, uh, and the Refrigerator Perry as well, who was inducted. Uh... Fred the Refrigerator Perry, the Battle of the, Battle of the World from WrestleMania 2. Mm, yeah, going way back on that one. But yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see whether they do that, because I think the problem with the, doing the whole sort of oh, the best matches get inducted each year, the sort of the, the sort of classic matches, is that I'm not sure whether... I mean, we've, we've talked about our top fives several times uh, um, about our favourite matches and things. I don't know whether it's become a bit like when you get the sort of top 10 uh, singles of all time voted for by the public and people have that automatic knee-jerk reaction to go, oh yes, oh yeah, that WrestleMania 1 main event, rather uh, in the same way that they go, oh yeah, Imagine by John Lennon or oh Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen because they're the ones that they're constantly told are, these are the greatest things of all time. Um, whether you end up with that kind of thing, and of, I think of it, was, it's all... it wasn't a great match. Sorry, it wasn't a great match, but it's an important match, and I think that is the it's the historical aspect more than the yeah. than that these are the yeah. great matches, obviously. So if they are going to do that, they might as well just in, start including main event from every year. In which case, you're going to see Hogan for the next fucking eight years. Completely, he'll have more rings than fingers if they continue with doing what they're doing. But, uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, so anyway, that, that rounds off this week's Geek News. 
and now it's time to go back old, old, older than old school as we join Jay for this week's Sticky Thumb Floor Emporium. Fun Emporium. Fun Emporium. I said it. Video games are still a young form of media. Sure, they can't get away with wearing skinny jeans or listening to the churches or the 1975s anymore without looking like they're trying too hard, but it's certainly younger than the colostomy bag filling Codger the motion picture. Video games are an art form governed by the capabilities of its technology, probably more than any other. The chasm between what a Commodore 64 and a PlayStation 4, for instance, are capable of is as wide as the quivering goatsy of a sexually abused African elephant. In the infancy of home games, AAA titles were often the product of the efforts of pigmentation-free bedroom coders. These nebbish goofs would spend months tapping code into the tiny memories of their Sinclair Spectrums or the clunky black keys of their BBC Micros so that a year down the line, horrid little 80s children could steal their work using a blank C90 or a pilfered cassette from their elder sister's Human League collection. Using a little bit of tape, of course. Now, these early British games came at a time free from the influence of American Japanese game coders, and often displayed a humour and love of the mundanity of UK life that has almost completely been lost due to the market's globalisation. The Sinclair Spectrum Elite Collection turns your iOS device into a window to a forgotten world of colour clash, loading times, and nudging puns about waggled joysticks. Dull you cads! Selling on the App Store for £2.99, the Elite Collection comes bundled with 13 games, with the option of either buying singular games for 69p or themed six game packs for £1.49, with a vast wealth of classic titles to choose from. New titles are added every couple of months. There's also a Commodore 64 version, should you wish to reenact those classic playground arguments. Nah, my one's bigger than your one. My one was tiny, I've got a very small penis. The Elite Collection refers to the software house Elite, who distributed many, many fine games during the 80s. In fact, they're aptly named. They come from a generation where only Ocean or Ultimate Play the Game could claim a similarly impressive hit rate. Games available include the isometric adventures of the limbless cat and dog duo Head Over Hills, Thatcher Bothering Tunnel Dweller Manic Miner, and Proto Bully Back to School. They're all represented just as they were in their Spectrum days, complete with indistinguishable sprites, single beep sound effects, and ear-hating interpretations of classical masterpieces. The control is mirrored from the Spectrum days also, although the dead flesh touch of the rubber keyboard has been lost, replaced by a graphical representation which takes up a third of the screen. The games are fascinating, the cream of a generation, but playing these after playing, say, The Last of Us or Grand Theft Auto V, is incredibly jarring. While I spent many an hour playing these, or more likely waiting for them to load, I find it very hard now to play the likes of Jack the Nipper without wishing I could play something, anything else. The creativity with limited means to work with cannot be ignored, but it doesn't mean it's fun anymore. It's not you, it's me or something. I don't know. I'm quite content playing about as far back in the past as, say, a Nintendo Entertainment System, but I think that's probably my limit. It's bloody super. The Xbox Live, the iOS and the PSN network are allowing the creative aspects of the bedroom coder to return in some way. And the more of them appear, the better. But sometimes the past is the past that is best left there. We've grown apart, dear Spectrum. Now it's time to say goodbye one last time. Back to the gathering dust in the loft, next to the mummified remains of my mother, who keeps insisting that I kill prostitutes. Goodbye.
Okay, so one of the things that we uh, meant to chat about, in fact, uh, last week, but uh, we got sidetracked to talking about all other, all other sort of uh, geek stuff, was uh, some of the best games from last year. So we were looking back at 2013, which, to be fair, was a cracking year for games. Um, and Booty, uh, your thoughts on some of the best things you played, and I can chime in and let you know if I agree or disagree, which I'm sure, to be fair, I'll mostly uh, agree with you. But uh, things that you played that you enjoyed, stuff that you'd recommend, and uh, things people may have missed. Well, Dave, as a man of multi-consoles, um, I'm a fan of all forms of gaming, whether it be portable, last-gen, next-gen, PC. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of all things video games, as likely all of our listeners are. So there was a lot of interesting um, and, and revolutionary games that I got to play in, in 2013. I thought I'd just break down a couple. Um, first one I wanted to touch about was, um, was games that are pushing storytelling. Now, last year was fantastic for games with big storylines and obviously i'll start with one that we definitely touched on previously one that i had experience hands-on with and that was beyond two souls yeah just a brilliant way of bringing a story to life and one of the first games that truly made me care about a character i've got a terrible habit of if i get bored of a story halfway through a game but i want to finish it i start skipping cutscenes. obviously with beyond two souls you can't you can't do that yes because it's so integrated into it that you would be missing out on such a large portion of, of, of what's important about the game hmm. by by doing this. So, um, I mean, in terms of narrative and storytelling, Beyond Two Souls was definitely one of my highlights of the year. Um, sadly beaten out by a game, another game that truly made me feel um, emotional during. It was a ride, and that was The Last of Us um, hmm. on the PS3. Again, another game is similar similar build to um beyond two souls where you're basically left in charge to look after somebody um in in this case um a young girl so heart-wrenching beautiful emotional violent just so much i think the last of us trumps any movie i've seen in terms of just how it made me feel um, more so than any book, more so than any movie I've ever seen. So, mm. just such an important game for me was The Last of Us. Um, what did you, did you get a chance to play through The Last of Us at all? Do you know what I didn't? Um, only because of, of my my PlayStation Three wasn't particularly reliable, so I, I, I didn't um, want to chance it. Uh, I also <laughs> The Last of Us came at a very strange time for me. Uh, it was the <laughs> first new release that came out after I would left my job with uh, a particular entertainment retailer uh so it would have been the first game that i would have had to buy uh full price <laughs> and years, yeah. in years yeah so and, and without a job unfortunately i i didn't feel that i could uh, could justify it and I, I never got around to playing it and now I, I don't own my playstation 3 anymore having uh sold it on to uh, one of our milksters <laughs> however dave um with the announcement of playstation now that is something that you can rectify in the future Yes, uh, completely. Yeah, yeah. Whether totally. it be through yours, but you know, there's so many platforms that PlayStation on my now is... smartphone. Exactly. Uh, unbelievable to think of where we've come in such a short amount of time with technology. Uh, talking about leaps in technology, how about Grand Theft Auto Five, ladies and gentlemen? Oh. Um, again, important story. Um, maybe not as uh, emotional as uh, The Last of Us and Beyond Two Souls. In a different way, in, possibly. <laughs> very much in a different way, um, but. But what a fantastic job they did with Grand Theft Auto V. Mm. Um, easy, uh, again, it's 
these are in no set order. These are all the games that I just that blew me away last year. And of course, everybody who played Grand Theft Auto Five, you know, agreed it was just such a step up from everything they'd done previously. It was the culmination of every game they've ever made. You could see bits yeah. of um, Max Payne in it. You could see bits of Red Dead Redemption, and of course, you could see everything from the previous Grand Theft Autos leading up to the culmination of this fantastic new um, Grand Theft Auto game. And obviously, lost many hours playing Grand Theft Auto. Um, Dave, mm. I know you, you were also on, on, on Team GTA, so um, what about some of your experiences? Yeah, I mean, we, we've discussed previously, it, it's just, it is a masterpiece of a game. Um, it's not something, unfortunately, that I can say has kept my interest. Uh, it's a wonderful game to show off. It's, it is, without a doubt, technically, the most perfect game released on that generation of consoles. Um, you're not going to beat it. I've been so happy that there hasn't been an announcement so far that it's coming to the next-gen consoles because I think you need to just appreciate it using the hardware that was there and you look at where it was and where it's come to now. It, uh, just one of those wonderful games. Those experiences, we've discussed those wonderful moments of driving down the road and some random event happening, stumbling across a bit of a spaceship and setting you off on this alien hunt and all that kind of stuff. The Yeti appearing or the ghost at midnight and those little sort of Easter eggs. But just the very basic stuff was was just perfect. And I mean, people are still investigating all the secrets that they've left in there and specifically the the Mount Chiliad and the alien maps. Yeah, completely. You know, just perfect. Yeah, no, still people deeply involved in finding new things all the time. And, of course, with the Grand Theft Auto Online, they expanded that. And I'm terrible to admit, but I have really have not spent any time in Grand Theft Auto Online. Um, no, no. It's come at a time, obviously, with the new generation of consoles. So the crossover for me, it's been a bit ill-timed. Um, so I'm kind of missed on that experience because I've leapt onto the next gen, obviously. Before I do touch on the next gen consoles, I just wanted to... Um, hit up a couple more headers for my game you know my favorite games of last year i'm a massive fan of indie games um mm. which are becoming the new breed i mean minecraft um, we touched on minecraft uh, one of the earlier episodes in yes. it. Uh, neither of us particularly massive fans um but there were a couple of indie games that have come through that i played last year that just blew me away the first one i'm going to mention actually was released um in in uh, 2012 but um, it was late 2012, and I really didn't even – I wasn't aware of it until last year, and that was Hotline Miami, mm. um, which I've probably mentioned various times through uh, Milking It podcast. But just a great, great indie game, um, full-on action. It's a top-down kill-em-up. Uh, it's the only way it could be described. Um, just if you haven't had the opportunity, YouTube, Hotline Miami, it's an 8-bit game that just – I'm still playing it at the moment. I finished it maybe three times and i just keep going back to, to better my score uh, and the sequel is out this year on everything so um that's hopefully going to be something that everyone can leap onto once they've seen how the sequel turns out uh, they'll jump onto hotline miami have you um, just jumping in have you seen yet because i i listened back to in a very vain egotistical way the episode where you described it as being your game of the year uh which obviously we, we've we've avoided indie this game of the year. It's okay. not game of the year is such a broad term. Everybody yeah, said completely. Everybody game of the year. But it's one of my games of the year. But in that it's one discussion, of the games that made my year. In that discussion, uh, we mentioned the film that had influenced that game uh, in terms of Drive. Have you got round to watching Drive yet? Oh, and again, it's um, 
It's something I've been meaning to do because I don't know whether you've noticed this, but the jacket that was featured in the film Drive is turning up in every game. It's available in GTA as well. It is, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to mention that. But yes, it's very much an influential game. I mean, GTA influenced Drive. Drive has now found its way into GTA, which is quite uh, a sort of populate itself moment. But uh, yeah, very interesting. Sorry, it was just a little side note to ask whether you'd uh, bother to watch the film. Or not. But you what definitely other... should. Oh, no, I've, it's something I am definitely intend to do. Uh, I will get round to it. Um, one of my other indie games was a quirky little title, which... Um, I don't really think I touched enough about uh, on, on the Milk and It podcast before. It was a game called The Stanley Parable. Hmm. Um, it, it's a first-person adventure game where you you, are, you you start off in this office and the narrator is talking. And the narrator, the narrator you know, you kind of drives you to do things, but you can go against the narrator. Hmm. So if the narrator went, you know, and the character went, went through the door on the right, you can choose to go through the door on the left. You have to do what the narrator says. And the narrator... Um, responds in such and there are so many different paths and so many different endings and it's just one of the quirkiest titles I've ever played and I just kept going back I found myself going back to it and back to it and back to it even though I'm sure I've seen all there is to see in it now but um, the Stanley Parable was was definitely one of my more interesting finds this year Hmm. but highly recommend it and one of the other ones that I um, that I did get to play which I could which again I will recommend um there was a game called Papers, Please. Uh, did you hear about this at all? I did, yeah. Um, uh, both you and my friend Jamie sent me uh, links to this and are big fans, I believe, of this particular one. I haven't got around to playing it um, yet, but I definitely 100% will do. And the um, so in the last game, I, uh, the indie game I really, really wanted to mention was a game called Little Inferno. Now, it's a game that came out very early this year, and I know it's available on Android and everything now, it's a game that at face value is a game about burning things in a fireplace. Okay. That's what the game is at face value. Mm. You burn things. When they burn things, you get tokens. You buy more things to burn with tokens. If you go through the game, mm. I promise you it's one of the most – again, it's a game uh, – it's a year for storytelling. At Little Inferno, there is a big, big story behind this little game where you're burning things in a fireplace, and there is just so much more to it. And when the game finally opens itself out to you – near tears it's, it's such a beautiful experience so i highly recommend little inferno it's so cheap on the mobile phones now you can get it on tablet there is no excuse for you guys not to track down a copy of little inferno so those are my kind of indie games that i really enjoyed last year mm. um before we get on to the next gen dave because that's something i know you can jump in yeah. there was just a couple of games i wanted to mention um from the portable genre now, I've got a PlayStation Vita, and I, yeah. I, I love the Vita as a machine. There's, I play Hotline Miami on the Vita. I play all kinds of games on the Vita. Um, PlayStation 1 games, PlayStation 2 games. It's, it's, it's a really good little machine. Well, two of the games that I played this year that really blew me away. One was a traditional RPG called Dragon's Crown. Really awesome game. Great art. Um, a really good difficulty curve as well. I've never to a point in an RPG where I can comfortably play on the hardest difficulty setting but with this it gives you the opportunity to work on a character build and a character type you know you've got a warrior an Amazon there's all different types of characters and then um, it's one of the first RPGs that I've really really um, enjoyed playing mm. um, one of the highlights was you have to get through to a certain point in the single player game before you even have access to the online multiplayer um, co-op 
and I think it was just a really well done way of preparing you to go online with this game. And it's one of the only games, obviously on the Milk podcast we've talked previously, where I, we are very single playery type mm. gamers. Yes, with definitely. this, it was it's a side scrolling RPG. So having other people there. It's just like having the AI there, so it's really not bothered. No one chats a lot when they're playing it. It's just about getting each other through that level. So uh, highly recommend Dragon's Crown. It is also available on the PlayStation 3, and you can carry your saves across both uh, both versions. So um, highly recommend Dragon's Crown. The other game I wanted to mention made me smile so much all the way through, and it was a fairly short game, but the creators of Little Big Planet uh, have made a game on the Vita called Tearaway, and it uses, it's a game that can only be made on the Vita because of the way the console is built. It's got a touchscreen on the back and it's got a touchscreen on the front. Um, it it utilises these even so well. Hmm. Um, one of the attacks is if you stick your finger on the touchscreen on the back, a finger comes through the ground on in the game and you kind of use that to move things and, um, and attack enemies. And the way it's just been implemented is just incredible and it's a re obviously coming from the team behind little big planet it's full of charm it's full of cute characters um highly recommend Haraway. if you don't have a vita have a little look on youtube um because it's something you shouldn't miss it's it's just a really interesting game it's fairly cheap as well because it's uh, a fairly short game <clears throat> but one of the main draws is the whole game is presented um in origami style everything is paper unfolded paper well, once you've defeated a boss or found a certain character, you can print out um, the models on, on your computer on a home computer, and you can fold and glue these characters that you see in the game into real life. So it's really good for kids as well because it means that they they've got a lot of interactivity between um, the video game and then obviously crafting in real life, which is what the whole game kind of um, pushes you to do. So I highly recommend Tear Away. Hmm. So now, Dave, we get on to something we've not had a lot of experience on and I don't really know whether this can count as my games of last year because I didn't get to play any of them till this year but I'm going to mention a couple anyway just because they have been brilliant okay. uh, the first one I want to mention is uh, Dead Rising 3 of course something uh, you mentioned last week yes indeed um, in fact one of my favourite experiences this um, in gaming and it is this year not last year has been some of the experiences with the Xbox One that we touched on last week like uh, smartphone uh, um Smart glass, uh, smart glass, yeah. even. <clears throat> um, but yeah, have you had a chance to grind any more on Dead Rising Three? I haven't. Do you know what? I, I again, I, I mentioned this last week. Is that my guilty pleasure at the moment is just trying to rinse out uh, Lego Marvel. So whenever I've had a spare half hour from work, it has literally been popping that on because it's just the easiest game to pick up and play. And I've now got all the multiplier uh, studs, so uh, <laughs> I can uh, get as many studs as I need to buy all the characters and start unlocking everything because I get a little bit OCD with the, uh, the Lego games. Um, so that's yeah, Dave, been... what I tend what I tended to do was grind for the uh, for the times multiplier bricks. So that you yes. um, yeah, that, that's what I've been doing. So. Cash money in the form of those Lego studs, so you can unlock those uh, those characters you really want. Love playing as Galactus. I love playing as Howard the Duck. Not Ed, not to be confused with Ed the Duck from the Broom Cupboard and going live, Bang Dave. What kind of idiot would confuse Howard the Duck <laughs> with Ed the Duck? <laughs> well, yes, completely. I can't imagine what kind of utter buffoon would even uh, consider <laughs> the idea. But that was uh, <laughs> so yeah, Lego, Lego 
Marvel's been great as well, Dave. Yeah, um, absolutely. And just just one more game I wanted to mention that I took me a bit of time to get into, but now I'm into it. I want to be a pirate um, <laughs> because Assassin's Creed Black Flag has been entertaining me knowing this this last week, and um, I'm singing sea shanties as I walk down the street. It's terrible. But what would you do with a drunken sailor early in the morning? Indeed, I, I, I agree absolutely. Um, especially on next gen, a beautiful looking game, absolutely wonderfully uh, rendered. Breathtaking. Yeah. It is breathtaking sometimes when you're on the open seas and suddenly a storm brews and you see the cyclones and art oh, man. I've been um, obviously um, not uh, not animal friendly. This game, there's a the harpoon segments are, are interesting to say the least yeah they're, they're quite well morrissey would not approve let us say that <laughs> he would say they were paedophiles for trying oh my goodness we've said the word paedophile on the milking podcast abort abort <laughs> uh, but can, no I... you can cut you can cut that if you want david <laughs> operation no. boo tree ah there we go he saved it kids remember um yeah, no, I agree. It, it, it's an interesting game. It, it's really well done. It's much better than three. Um, just a, a lot easier to play. It's a much more pick up and just go for it. A little bit sandbox, but not enough to make it feel like a sandbox game. You do get some choices to make, but there's still a very linear path you've got to go down. But yeah, for me, having it on the next gen was just the jaw dropping moment of just stopping when you're on top of a tree to look around because it just looks so beautiful. It's like, I, I can't afford to go to these kind of places. I may as well just take it in, exactly. drink it in off the Xbox One. I keep on seeing stuff. Like one of the first things I saw was I came across a waterfall and you could see the rainbow effect that the water was making against mm. the, um, as the sunlight was coming through. Breathtaking. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really good. Um, they, what's mad is I got a bit into the game and they suddenly it went back into modern day and I was like oh fuck yeah I forgot all about Desmond like the only, oh, that's... The only criticism I'd have is that they uh, the, the main character the main protagonist rather whose name escapes me apologies I should have researched this before we talked about it but I didn't know you were going to mention Assassin's Creed um, is described as being from Swansea um, he's Welsh he's Welsh um, yet does not sound Welsh particularly and also gets referred to as being English many times throughout the game, which, having studied in uh, Swansea for my degree, uh, I imagine the people of Swansea, who are proud Welshmen, uh, would not appreciate. I, I, do you know what? Edward Kenway is a, um, is, an, is a really cool character. I'd be pleased to have a blonde Welshman as my <laughs> main protagonist and antagonist. Indeed, and good luck finding a blonde Welshman. <laughs> <laughs> I am half Welsh, Okay. I, I was going to say, I hear that. I hear the next. The, the next lead is Albino. Just, uh, just to go the whole way. So, um, but, um, any any games that I've not mentioned that tickled your pickle uh, in 2013, David? Um, it, only literally a cursory glance at, at my notes that I made of, of stuff that uh, that rocked me. And and we, it was funny. We were both Boo and I were talking about this, and we, originally we said, "Oh, we'll do a top five and we'll present." And it's really hard to do a top five because if you're a gamer, I'm sure you'll you'll appreciate this. You only tend to remember the last couple of games you played as being oh my oh oh yes these are really good it's, you don't tend to cast your mind back 12 months to a game that you know piqued your interest unless it's something like fallout or skyrim or something that you spent so much time on it it always remains in your head but um 
I would definitely, definitely include in my top ones for the year um, Bioshock Infinite. It was flawed, but not so flawed that I would not include it. It was wonderfully, wonderfully produced. It was an, a, a great world they created for you to go around. It, again, I agree with what you said at the time when we discussed it a, a few episodes ago. It's not a game you'll go back and play again. It was also very short. Not, not that I didn't enjoy it, Dave. And I mean, one of the highlights for me was hearing the modern songs by the Barbershop Quartet. Yes, the Beach Boys covered by the Barbershop was amazing. Yeah. And girls just want to have fun. There was so much uh, pop culture in there. And I mean, it wasn't a bad game. I'm not. My no. issue was it was way too short. I was waiting for it way too long for it hmm. to be that short. I mean, I finished it pretty much in one one like 12 hour sitting, which is a terrible thing to admit. But um, yeah, that, that's I, not a sitting. That's a that's a day. That's, that's a day. An entire day. <laughs> day. That's yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely include that in it. Just, just purely because the visual and the, the wonderful moment of just walking towards that lighthouse one more time, and it was the ah proper gamer geek moment. Um, I would also include one that we talked about uh, within the first couple of episodes of the Milky Podcast, which was Saints Row Five, which again I wouldn't return to having played GTA, but at the time it was just a great gaming experience. It, it parodied so many games, like you know Gears of War. It, completely took the piss out of gears of war completely just annihilated any of the sort of superhero genre things it just they ramped everything up to 11 and it was just a good experience it, it got me it got me through a really hard time as they say um i, I know you enjoyed saints row as well yeah definitely it was, it's a victim of what you were just talking about for me um too many games came after it but um just you talking about it then i have memories of running up a building list um singing um two steps forward <laughs> One step back with a Paula uh, Abdul and MC opposite, Cat. MC Cat opposite, opposite the track. Tract, yes, the, one the first uh, first single I ever bought on cassette back in the, the day. The first video with a cartoon cat and a live action person. Um, the style favorized, if that is indeed a word. Favorized. Roger uh, favorized. There you go, Dave. A milking it made up word. There we go. We've had two milking it made up words in this podcast. If you can spot them, email them to us and we'll give you a prize. <laughs> That's milkingitpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> but yes, yeah. Uh, I remember, yes, and obviously the, the wonderful moments with Aerosmith at the beginning, the Hadaway stuff that they use with What is Love and oh, just, just wonderful soundtrack, really well done. Tongue so far in cheek, it's possibly poking out. Just a wonderful wonderful game to play obviously you touched on gta that for me was was it's got to be my game of the year it might not be a game i'm playing now but it was the game that blew my ears back and properly made me go wow you can do this now with this is amazing oh, I, I remember the first time spoiler for anyone that hasn't played like a three or four month old game yet oh, but, please, um, yeah spoilers it's, it's not a spoiler free zone on the milking podcast the, di- the diving aspect i was like what the fuck and yeah no completely it, yes. it, it, there's just so many things there's, there's so much stuff i haven't done on that game i do need to go back to it, it uh, you know unfortunately it's become victim of other games coming out like you say um i'd also mention uh, in passing obviously because i have to uh batman arkham origins um you want to talk about flawed but good game it, you know if if i wasn't such a gaming nerd if i wasn't such a batman fan I probably just think this was a decent game, <laughs> but because I've played the others and because I am a bit of a Batman purist, it it, it had so many things wrong with it. Um, they can't all be the best Batman game, Dave, and unfortunately Origins has had to drop out because yeah. of the gravitas and how good the first two were. I mean, Arkham City, 
Wow. Arkham City so far is the pinnacle. If you can beat that, then that's it. Take my money, sir. But yeah, Origins was, as I've compared it to before, uh, Fallout 3 was Arkham City. Fallout New Vegas was Arkham Origins. But that being said, it's still a game I completed. It's still a game I love playing. Um, I haven't gone back to it a great deal, which is, is telling because I went back to City so many times to try and complete everything. Um, and I've for- gone back to... To, to Gotham City, uh, to Arkham City, even, and I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I'm a one. I'm. It's rare that I go back to play a game. I think there's a handful. Um, that possibly Half Life Two. I've completed many times. I mean, classic stuff like Super Mario Brothers, like yeah. three, and the Zelda games. But it's stuff that I would rarely want to go back to. I think it's an exp- It's an all-in experience. But with Gotham City, uh, Arkham City. Sorry. Gotham City to... was it? Wasn't that an uh, R. Kelly song? <laughs> and now I'm yes. going to play a short clip of that. We need a city of justice. Oh yeah, a city of love, a city of love, a city of peace. Every, everyone, so please because we, we are need it. Can't live without it. God comes to help. Come on, tell me, can you city of justice? what (laughs) (laughs) but yes um it is one of the ones i went back to origins as much as i've enjoyed the sections i've played um it's not something i've gone back to just before we get off the subject of batman games from last year david um Mm. injustice Ah. a game that i was dying to play and now yes i've just kind of not i i still haven't played the full version i've only played the demo and i still haven't got round to buying a copy i think i'm waiting for it to come down to like pennies but i don't know why because i want it badly i was gonna I say the game the lives, yeah. um, and the worst thing is they bought it out on ps4 but hello no you bought X- an xbox <laughs> yeah um Right, Injustice. Okay, a, a quick review of Injustice. Oh, okay. uh, so Injustice uh, was, without a doubt, one of the best beat-em-ups I've ever played. Uh, it was um, it's something that came out of the blue. It came out in April this year. I didn't even know it was coming. I'd, I'd seen nothing online about it or anything else. Now, I consider myself a bit of a comic book geek, as you know. Um, but it was absolutely brilliant, done by the guys who did Mortal Kombat. Uh, Mortal Kombat? Mortal Kombat. Um, uh, Neverwhere? Never Realm. Um, and it was a really good beat-em-up. It was a solid beat-em-up. Um, it was designed for people who don't normally play beat-em-ups, so you didn't have to have that much knowledge of what you had to do it was literally a case of charging up and then you could do a special move or bits and pieces and the special moves were so outlandish they were just wonderful if you wanted to be batman and your special move is to summon the batmobile jump backwards over it as the batmobile plows through your opponent to destroy them at the end of the game you can do that in a fight you know um it was absolutely wonderful um, it's the only game I've ever played that can make Aquaman look cool. 
Uh, he was he literally is a badass in that game. And it's if they ever do a film with Aquaman in, which obviously they'll have to if they do Justice League, um, then that's what they're gonna have to do. They're gonna have to make him look like the the, the guy in uh in Injustice. But just wonderful. The the story mode is um quite confusing if you're not um if you don't understand the idea of the dc universe and the multiple universe layers but it's also one of the best story modes i've ever played in a fighting game because it doesn't feel like they're just putting one fight after another after another after another there's a reason for it the characters are really good the joker is absolutely wonderful in it harley quinn is absolutely wonderful in it that's all you need really um but no i can't believe you haven't played that i didn't even know that we didn't even know i've played the demo and i um i I mean i've seen the flash's uh super special move where he runs around the world to give you a punch and i thought that was brilliant But, um, yeah, it's something I will definitely uh, fix in the year 2014. Um, I'll get on Injustice as soon as possible. And, uh, obviously, that's a, a big recommendation from Mr. David. So I recommend all you milksters grab a copy of Injustice too. So that was our roundup of some of the games that you need to uh, check out from last year. If you haven't, get on board. If there's anything we've missed, let us know. Obviously, you can contact us on Facebook. It's forward slash milking it. Or you can give us an email at milkingitpodcast at gmail.com. Remember that guy that when you watched He-Man, you thought he had a moustache that made him seem a bit gay, but then he had a daughter. How did that work? Far too confusing for a child. It's the backstory bollocks of Man at Arms. Where there's no backstory, there must exist bollocks. It's science, you know, the very natural order of things. So allow me to tell you the true-ish story of Duncan, He-Man's friend in the Masters of the Universe series. You may know him better as Man-at-Arms, but how did he come to get this name? Well, before I tell you, I'm going to help you out with removing that thick coat of Christmas fat around your waist using the patented He-Man figure workout. I want you to get on your feet. Yes, even you, wheelchair. We know you're just lazy. Instructions? What? Oh, all right. Pretend that you have a thick black elastic band instead of a lower intestine hidden in your midriff. Come on, it's easier than imagining the vast viper of shit waiting to pounce on your work's toilet bowl that's in you right now. Disgusting! Disgusting. Right, now pretend there's a snot-nosed eight-year-old pulling back your left arm as far as it will go before suddenly releasing it. Make your upper body shake while making a shooka 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 noise. And do that for the next five minutes. For extra authenticity, carve a groove into one of your hands using a penknife, ready to receive a plastic sword, of course. Splay the other one in preparation for a shield that's never used in the fucking cartoon and take enough steroids to make Dave Batista blush. Keep doing it. Especially you, bingo wings. So why are you exercised by moving your body left and right at the hips? Allow me to get to the business in hand. Man-at-arms. So how did he get his name then? Well, man-at-arms got his name not from, as you may surmise, his skill at devising ingenious weaponry, and clever vehicles for the Masters of the Universe, as featured in the cartoon series of the same name, by Filmation! No, he got it from an entirely different source. Basically, the guy is a drunken old pisshead. 
You see, it's not really man at arms, it's man at the arms. Yeah, Duncan is a depressed, lonely alcoholic. Forced to bring up his daughter Teela alone because his wife left him for Zodiac, his pal. Now all he does is spend all his R&R time soaking in the ambiance and more specifically the booze at the Flamidamide Arms, Eternia's local grog house. But it's not just because of his wife leaving him for a man with better genitals and better transportation. No, 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 there's other reasons as well. Let's go back to his daughter, for instance. Teela, fearsome warrior, capable of holding her own against the many varied combatants of Skeletor's army. Also a massive cock monster. Put it this way, she doesn't spit, she doesn't swallow, that girl gargles, and a lot. A lot of penis. Now, admittedly, it's possibly because she's the only single woman in the entire Kingdom of Eternia that doesn't have a bird on her head. And his friends aren't that much better. Take Ram Man, for instance, whom you may be surprised to find out is actually a butch lesbian. Then there's Orko, a lower-limb-deficient irritant responsible for most of Eternia's troubles because he's such a reckless, irresponsible fucking dick. Well, he's got an interesting story. He actually was created by King Randall farting into an enchanted duvet cover. Explains a lot, doesn't it? Then there's Stratos, otherwise known as the Airborne Nonce. Those feathers aren't real, you know. He glued them on himself so he could fly with a local girl's secondary school. That stain on her dress is not bird poo. But it did come from the air. Wrongen. And now on to Battlecat. Battlecat suffers from the Eternian equivalent of multi-personality disorder. By day, of course, he's Cringer, a name he despises given to him by his parents because parents are the fucking worst. Timid, peaceful and on edge, Cringer's personality suddenly changes when he's clad in his fearsome red armour, much like a mill supporter putting on his team's colours. The RSPCA has tried on several occasions to remove him from Prince Adam's custody in order to put him to sleep after a string of incidents including the fatal mauling of a toddler, flaying a fox alive and pissing on the cenotaph. But so far, Battle Cat has evaded justice. Helps win your own as the son of the king, doesn't it? Huh? Then there's Man-at-Arms BFF. Prince Adam, a.k.a. He-Man. Don't tell Skeletor. He recently started a homosexual relationship with Man-at-Arms' brother. Visto, quite at the back. Now, Man-at-Arms isn't homophobic. What business is it of his? A man's anus is his own to do with as he pleases. He's free to let things come out of it as much as he's allowed to put things in it. He has no problem with that. It's just it forces a man to drink when his brother and his best friend are clapping like seals and watching the X Factor and using the word fabulous too much. And so he sits there, night after night, in the flamidamide arms. Alone at a four-seater table, as a clock ticks in the background. In his hand, he's cradling a single pint of beer, a beer into which he looks. He looks into that beer for answers, but there are no answers, only the lost dreams of his youth. Think of those lonely fucks in Weatherspoons at 10am. Sort of like that, only with a weird metal hat and inexplicable green skin from the neck down. And that, young Lieblings, is the story of a man at arms, or, as we now know, man at the arms. 
Now, I've noticed that you stopped sugar sugar sugaring, so you're all bastards. I'm leaving now, because I tried to help, and you've done nothing. You fat bastards. I'm so angry. Bye. That was episode 14 of the Milking Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you, as always, to Dino for his wonderful artwork. Thank you to John Sands for the music you hear that tickles your ear. Uh, thank you to Jay for his droppings, which are always appreciated and always make me smile. Thank you for all our Facebook friends. Thank you to Colm for adding his bits and pieces. Um, you can follow us on uh, Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash milking it. You can email us with any of your suggestions or things you'd like us to do or it's this that and the other uh it's milking it podcast at gmail.com uh i'm david davis and i'm boulamont and as always we'll hope you'll join us next week for more of the same at the milking it podcast you wanna milk it and you know you gotta milk it and you know love playing as ed the duck <laughs> ed the but duck yeah. ed the ed the duck Howard, Howard the Duck, surely. Yeah, cut that, Dave. I don't want Jay giving a shit.